This is EdTech Weekly, and this is episode 77. I'm your host, Ricky Zager. In tonight's show, data for more than student retention, three K-12 trends, EdTech departments intentionally making themselves obsolete, and cybersecurity may be the new STEM. Joining me, as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, Christy. How are you, Christy? Hey, Ricky. Good to be here. Glad we're doing our show tonight. Yeah, me too. I know we missed last week, but I think the true fans of the show expect that they expect that we're not going to be perfect and we're going to miss some shows here and there. So we are back this week and hoping to do one more show next week, maybe an end of the year special. Maybe I'll require you to come up with some New Year's resolutions. Wouldn't that be fun? Require me to come up with New Year's of resolutions? Course. Yeah, I don't want to come up with them. I think they're pretty lame. So. <laughs> well, we can come up with them all we want. I mean, we don't have to do anything about them, though, right? Some EdTech Weekly <laughs> New Year's resolutions. We will have at least two shows a month. That's a good resolution. We could probably get that one. All right. Got well, it. before we bore everyone, which may have already happened, we begin, as we always do, with the EdTech News Rundown. Our first story, EdTech Magazine, gives us four ways that data empowers universities beyond just student retention. If you're involved in higher ed at all, then you probably already know how important student retention is and is becoming here, especially recently. But these are four areas that are uh, pretty darn important, if I may use such harsh language, darn important as well. First of all, data can help streamline the fundraising process, which makes sense. Number two, using demographic data to tailor marketing materials to prospective students. Seems like a good idea. Uh, number three, help leaders understand their student population better. I think probably all university leaders are looking to do that. And finally, data-driven surveillance can help campuses safe. Apparently some algorithms that can watch the video so you don't have to humans watching all the time or at least review the tape all the time. Now, using data that is already being collected to improve these areas is definitely a good start, but targeting data to help this is probably the best way for universities to improve the positive impact of data and what it can have. Now, Christy, I know that we have had our discussions about data and whether or not we're scared about it. And um, as always, it's a concern in education to protect students and their data. Do you see these as possibly acceptable ways or is there any, is there any fear here? You know, I think it goes a little bit both ways, mainly because there is so much data available now, it seems like. And it's really interesting to hear about how higher ed is using the data to make decisions in focused fundraising efforts, as well as uh, updating mission statements. They gave an example of a university that based on their demographic data, they changed their mission statement. Um, and what sounds like something from the future to me, analytics enabled that sounds like something I would see on the movie, but it's here now. So the article talks about using software to mine through hours and hours of security footage. And I'm really wondering what parameters they're putting on that search to identify a security concern. Uh, bottom line, where is all of this data going? And I need to buy some stock in cloud-based data centers. Yeah, I don't think those are going anywhere anytime soon as we continue to just get more and more and more data. Also, possibly uh, hard drive storage companies, people making hard drives. That that also is probably something that we're going to need a lot of in the future, too. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, when you're talking about the 
using software to mine through security footage, you know, it's probably a lot like some of these proctoring um, software that we have that just sort of looks at the average day of the camera and what happens and then flags things that seem unusual based on what normally happens. So normal moving patterns, normal speeds, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's It seems actually kind of pretty doable. And, you know, certainly you can't have somebody watching security all the time. Uh, especially in, on a large campus, so it's it's a pretty interesting thing. I mean, I'm I, I'm sort of sold on some of these as a definite way to improve uh, higher ed, possibly some K twelve action as well. There. Yeah, interesting. All right, next up, another EdTech Magazine story brings us the top three K-12 trends of 2017. We see a lot of these lists, and although we recognize the clickbait nature of them, it is important to stay alert to these trends. The three trends they see are continued push for connectivity to the internet in school and home for students. Number two, personalized learning initiatives continuing to expand. And number three, shifting professional development to outside certification to improve the return on investment ROI. This shifting of professional development to outside certifications is very interesting, as this would be a huge change for a lot of districts. What do you think, Ricky? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting. I know that uh, I'm sure there are some districts that are already doing that. I know the big push is a lot of in-house things. And we'll discuss that in one of our coming up stories here, uh, the next story, I believe, as well sort of different ways that professional development may actually be changing when it comes to ed tech or could change. But, I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like Matt were here, if Matt were here, and those of you who have been longtime listeners remember Matt, you know, he used to make fun of me because I would do all these top three and top four and the five best and the ten best. And a lot of them are kind of clickbaity. But I really do think that the overall trends here I think are not that bad. I mean, I think – it is still something that needs to be figured out, the connectivity for schools in general, but also at home for students. There's a large percentage of students who just don't have this uh, connectivity at home, which is which kind of give puts them at a big disadvantage. Um, personalized learning, whether we like it or not, uh, the world is moving that way for sure. And then professional development, it, there's going to have to be a shakeup here soon because I just don't feel like in general, especially big districts, I don't feel are really servicing that population enough. So I'd say these are three trends that are actually worthwhile to look at and think about. Yeah, they're definitely here, and I think they're they're good ones and good shifts to make. Yeah, do do you know if your district? Uh, I know you have a small district. Do you guys do any outside certification? Um, for our teachers, I would say not on a large scale. You know, I do push Google certification with our teachers, and I'd like to see more take advantage of that. Um, I like the idea of some sort of outcome and certification, you know, there's a nice standard and, you know, you have met this much. So I like the idea of it and perhaps considering, you know, pay or bonuses or something for teachers that did achieve those different levels, whether it's Google or Apple or Microsoft. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. It's like, do you, are you forcing people to take this? Are you paying them to take it? Who's paying for the training? Those are always things that will make it difficult in K-12 to sort of figure out how that goes. But encouraging, especially for free trainings and, you know, little rewards here and there. Um, I think most teachers want to get better at some of these things, but they definitely need some stake in it. And so, uh, yeah, that's definitely something that has to be figured out. All right. Our next story, Ed Surge, explains that every ed tech department should make themselves obsolete. Hmm. Now, before you get too upset by hearing that, 
let's take a look at what they're talking about here and what they're encouraging people to do. And one of the things that they say is that hiring a tech integration specialist, I've, I've not personally heard of that position, but I'm sure that exists, makes a larger divide between teachers and technology. And one of the reasons is that they say those specialists tend to work with teachers already using technology, which leaves those who don't use technology further behind. I can believe that, certainly, um, because you're drawn to people that want to learn more about technology and are into it. And so you probably would spend more time there. Now, some of the solutions that they offer are ambassador programs, which are essentially making connections between uh, more than one tech-savvy teacher uh, group of them and those in need. So it would be more of a personal one-to-one -one relationship with some teachers who could use the tech help. Um, professional development by teachers for teachers. Always a good idea, I think, in general, to have people learn from their peers um, and then finally, they talk about turning tech specialists into instructional coaches to connect more on a pedago pedagogical level uh, than just as a here's how to turn it on type of relationship, which I think is also pretty key in general. I mean, if we're just teaching people how to turn on technology, then there's something missing for sure. Uh, for the most part, I think these make sense. But some of it comes down to the word choice here. You know, it's like, are you a tech coach? Are you a technology integrator? I mean, essentially what you label them is far less important than what that job is. And I think getting pedagogy into people's, you know, learning people, learning how to use technology to strengthen their pedagogy of teaching, I think that's the biggest part. Um, Chrissy, what do you think about these types of strategies? Do you have any in your district? Do you see any that work? Um, I remember you talking about your one-on-one -on -one initiative, and I feel like there was some of that sort of ambassador stuff going on there. Yeah, well, it talks about the, one of the solutions being an ambassador, which I think is exactly what an ed tech coach is. They just yeah. need to be working with the right people who need that support. So, you know, overall, I thought this was really interesting timing on this article to read uh, because our tech team was having a conversation about this today and the need for our techs to be focused on ed tech and getting to the, the tools classroom so they can support it beyond just turning on the computer, fixing your Wi-Fi, hooking up your printer. The tricky thing is, in my opinion, that right now there is more than enough work to be done just to keep our devices up and running as well as our Wi-Fi. And I'm not sure at this point how to make that switch with our tech team. Some districts are hiring TOSAs or teachers on special assignment serving in that ambassador role who are certificated teachers who will support teachers in tech implementation. So we really have it from two sides, you know, the, the tech specialist, the one who is focused on making the computer turn on and then classroom experience about how we implement. So I'd say there's a need for both right now, the technical skills of a tech and someone with that classroom knowledge. Maybe someday our tech will be so good that it won't need as much support and our classrooms will have integrated tech, so we won't need ed tech coaches. But for now, I'd support both. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world where you don't have to worry about money, which is not a world any of us live in in public education, unfortunately, <laughs> you would want to have all of those things because you're right. You can't just go, well, we can't have people who support turning on the, devi the device and connecting it because – we just kind of need that for some people still, unfortunately. And that's just, and as technology changes, that is going to always be a concern. And the other part of that is, is that we're spending so much time with that, that we're not really feeding our teachers with the pedagogy they need for teaching, for using this technology to teach better and helping our students learn better. And so, 
there's definitely, I think, a need for both. And I, and there's got to be ways to do it, whether it's like teachers do half days of teaching and half day of working with colleagues while they're teaching. However we figure out a way, it has to be done because we, and we need to leverage students, uh, students who understand how to use technology. They're a huge asset in the classroom. We need to start working together as an edu- education community, have students and parents and teachers all working together here. And I know that sounds sort of like a utopia ideal, but I think it can happen, especially with the students. The students love a lot of this stuff, and they can figure it out, and they can help on some of that more technology end and let the teachers focus on the uh, education side of it. Yeah, definitely. We should tap into students, and they can figure most things out on their own. So, yeah. Yeah. Do it. Come up with a plan. Let's see. (laughs) Ed Tech Magazine explains how cybersecurity is becoming kind of a big deal in K 12 universities. In many ways, this feels like STEM about four years ago, and it is likely that uh, that momentum continues to build for cybersecurity as it becomes even more important in our digital world. Programs are beginning to rethink cybersecurity recruiting methods, including NYU hosting a hacking competition to entice high school and college students to come to their programs. And just like STEM a few years ago, they are making recruiting females a high priority. There will be a larger need for cybersecurity going forward, and programs like these are hoping to address the skills gap. Yeah, I mean, the capture the flag hacking competition sounds pretty fun. And I think that's how you get people who are into hacking and into cybersecurity to pay attention to you and possibly want to come to your school or people in your school who may do hacking on their own or might be into that world to say, oh, maybe I'll get into that program. That's kind of cool. So I, I definitely see that. But I, I don't know. I don't know if the timeline's right for me when I was when I was doing my little summary here and wrote that it was like four years ago for STEM. I kind of feel like that's true. Maybe it was a little longer ago, but it seems like it's developing into that. And I feel like in four years from now, we're going to be talking about um, a lot of these camps for cybersecurity. And you know what I mean? I, I just feel like there is a real need for this. And I feel like, you know, we have this skills gap and there's going to be a, a larger gap as we go um, with this cybersecurity stuff. So we're going to need more and more initiatives and more and more, you know, possible government funding on a national level. And I, I think we might see it sort of either kind of catch up to STEM or maybe be integrated into STEM a little bit more than it might be at the time. Yeah, the article leads with there's going to be a shortage of 2 million cybersecurity professionals. So high school students now, kids now, that's a good field for you to look into. Yeah, and I don't know, that that doesn't sound too good to be short a couple <laughs> million people for cybersecurity. I don't know. I mean, even if we're not short people, it seems like sometimes cybersecurity doesn't go well. So being two million in the hole does not feel like the place we want to be. Yeah, watch that data. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I get really scared when we do this show. <laughs> Stop talking. All this data available and two million shortages and people to secure the data. This just seems like a bad time. Well, and what was the security data footage? Or the, the bots watching the self, all of our moves yeah, the bots on watching security cameras? Yeah, I don't know. We may need, Maybe we need to change this show up. I don't know. It's starting to scare me. But seriously, though, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, we all, you know, we, we kind of look at what's the implication in general for ed tech and education when we're doing this show. And, you, you know, you need to be talking to your students about this stuff and you need to be letting them know that these are needs and you need to be, you know, putting this in lesson plans in some even minute ways. I know if you go to that article, 
Um, go to edtechweeklyshow.com and check out the link. And they actually talk about ways that it's not super invasive to sort of integrate cybersecurity type themes within your course. So, you know, anytime we can hit on interest areas of our students and perhaps spur them to want to do something, I think that's one of the big roles of a teacher. I mean, introducing them, helping them think through problems, helping them solve problems, helping them develop a passion for things is probably, you know, at the forefront of what teachers should be doing. So I think you should check this out for sure. Yeah, definitely. And the article does mention soft skills also and how important that is. So can't just sit there and hack on computers all day long. We have to be able to talk to people as well. Yeah, that's and that's one of the hard parts. I mean, you deal with people that are behind the scenes of the internet and they know so much that's going <laughs> on. Like my buddy Matt is a perfect example. Like this kid knows so much about how web services and all this stuff works and AdSense and all these types of things. But to try to explain it to somebody, even myself, who I am very interested in it, he'll start talking. I'm like, I don't know what that meant. Can you please explain that to me again? And I kind of, you know, peg myself as somewhat tech savvy at least. So for someone to talk me into a place where I'm like, I really don't know what you're talking about, that I feel like takes a special skill. And I think that's like, you're right. There's going to, you're going to need to bridge the gap between this knowledge of cybersecurity and how do we talk to people about it too. <laughs> for another episode. There you go. All right, guys. Um, if you want to be a part of the show or talk to us, let us know how we're doing. Email the show, edtechweekly at gmail.com. Hit up that subreddit, edtechweekly.reddit.com, and we post stories and other links there as well. Um, and um, I think if you can just head to iTunes and give us a review or go to edtechweeklyshow.com, and I've put on the bottom half of the screen, always available now, a link that you can just click to uh, give us a review it helps people find us and we still have stickers we're still sending them out and uh, monica just gave me her address and i'm going to be sending that sticker to her for thanking her for being on the show so if you want stickers still rate the show and tweet at me at four tech teachers or at christy m warren or email us at edtechweekly at gmail.com so we can get you some stickers and include you in the show if you want some of your opinions out there Christy, do you have anything else for the good people as we head into the holidays and our possible end-of-year extravaganza next week? Well, you have really hyped up the end-of-year extravaganza, so I'm looking forward to what that will be. And I just want to say the stickers are really cool, so thank you for doing those. And everyone should give a rating or an email or contact us so that they can get one too. Yeah, the stickers are legit. I mean, they're more legit than you would think they are for the quality of the show. I promise you that. You're going to get them and you're going to go, what? wow, is this This is a real show. This is this legit. This present, you know? I'm saying. Give them to your friends, your family. It's given us credibility. The stickers alone have, have given the show more credibility <laughs> than I have. That's for sure. All right, Christy. Well, I appreciate you being on the show once again. And hopefully we'll see you next week for the extravaganza. But now that I've built it up, I'm scared that I'm going to be like, yeah, we can't do the show this week because I didn't have time. <laughs> Let's not do It's going to be amazing. It's going to be unbelievable. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. And we'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly.